0: Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Dawnversations. It's a variety show about real-life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Hi, Evan.
1: Hey, Dawn. How are you?
0: I'm great. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. This is going to be the most random podcast you've ever been on. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun, though. That's
1: a good uh, way to switch it up.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, I listened to your 200th episode, part two, where you had compiled all the different people that you've had on which i just love your podcast by the way i'll have you promote it and stuff but so it was interesting to me how you ask everybody at the end the same question and they you had all their answers and you know they all answered personally but it was all basics like sleep go outside right. and breathe i found that fascinating like it's you don't have to have money you don't have to have privilege to be able to do these things to better your health.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate you recognizing that because that was kind of the point because the last thing I wanted to do is celebrate, you know, 200 episodes by being super repetitive. And, and the answers aren't all identical, but they're conceptually similar, like what you're talking about. And it was the reason that I put it in because I just wanted people to hear, oh, okay, not everyone that comes on as a guest, but some of the people that come on as a guest are top people in the functional medicine space. And yet we can get into the nitty gritty, we can get into the biochemistry and all this stuff. And yet at the end of the day, I don't think they would say that doesn't matter, but it's why are we even focusing on this until you get this other stuff down? And so, yeah, I wanted it to be encouraging for people to know that even for someone like myself or my mom who have overcome pretty crazy health challenges, it was 70 to 80% plus just the basics and doing them right for a very long period of time that got us actually better. So you can start it for free, like you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and other people that I've talked to, they always say that you kind of have to get yourself to a baseline first. Like you're not going to be able to take supplements or some magic pill. Um, if your diet is crap or if you don't exercise, you know, there's no magic. You have to get yourself to a very good, even keeled point before you can improve.
1: Right. And I think that's where people get it a, a little messed up. You know, it's also hard to tell, like, what What is the supplement actually even doing if someone is still, you know, eating McDonald's every single day or whatever it might be? Um, and I think a lot of people, perhaps more people, maybe not everyone, but they can relate to it more in like the gym sense. You know, obviously, there's huge stores dedicated solely to selling people supplements for fitness, whether it's through creatine or whey protein or whatever. Now, these are science backed things and they work very well. But anyone that is at the top of the lifting game or, or weight training they're going to tell you if you're not in that caloric surplus first to gain the muscle from the routine that you're doing and then getting proper recovery. There's no point in taking these things. You're, you're literally peeing away money, more or less, uh, because right. the differences would be so small. Uh, these are it's supplemental. That's that's the word, right? Supplement. It's supposed to supplement the other things that you're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, do you take supplements?
1: I'd take a a wide array of supplements. I probably, my gosh, my girlfriend and I have like a natural pharmacy here, but I just, I I wouldn't even, you know, that stuff's never done without also going to bed at 9.30 PM every single night, seven days a week, not like two hours, three hours, four hours later on the weekends, but consistent with that catching morning light every single day to set the circadian rhythm, um, eating in a, a certain way with dietary restrictions accounted for. Right. Um, so, okay, cool. I'm doing all of that. Fine. A lot of the supplements for me actually come from one, I think there's certain things that we just can't get in today's world. So that's maybe the one disclaimer I would put on the whole supplemental thing. Mm -hmm. For example, I think it's extremely hard to get the amount of vitamins that we would need naturally because the soil, especially in the United States, it doesn't have these things anymore. Even the most organic farms, because of what we've done, they don't have the same nutrient content. And we know that the food's been nutrient depleted for quite a while. So you could argue, okay, maybe a good multivitamin is something smart to be doing. Um, Similarly, I think because of what's added into foods and just the high stress level that we operate on, I don't think anyone's probably digesting as properly as they could. So I do take a digestive enzyme. Everything else outside of that is actually more to improve the quality of my life while I'm here as someone who already suffered with chronic diseases. If I didn't have those before, I don't know if I'd be really taking a lot of the other supplements, but I'm someone, as you know, since you listen to the podcast and stuff, like I have this um, this seesaw type of thing in my life. Cause on one end, I got to be careful because when you have had chronic issues for a while, you need to not be doing the 20 hour workdays and all that stuff. But then on the other end of the seesaw is this huge passion that's been developed throughout the years for these topics. And when you are passionate, all you want to do is go work and pursue those things. So I'm always balancing it back and forth. The supplements for me are really outside of the basics, really so that I can do as much as I possibly can with the short time that I have here on this earth. I don't want to only work six hours a day. I love working 10 to 12 hours a day. That's my personal thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Gosh, that just had so many questions. Okay, so what you said about how, had you not experienced problems in your past, you might not have even gone down this path of functional medicine, which is fascinating because there's a lot of people that are like, this doesn't pertain to me, or I'm healthy enough. I'm doing fine. I don't have... Um, a lot of issues. I don't have diabetes per se or something like that. You know, So they're like, I don't need to worry about that stuff right now. But it really is relevant to everyone to eat well, to get enough sleep and to put good things in your body. So what was it that started you down this path? What happened?
1: Sure. What was completely the health issues? Um, I always kind of make a joke and I'm in a sense, really glad that the health issues happened because it led to such a you can call it spiritual. You can call it a personal, you can call it mental development, but I probably would have went to something that was just chasing money, if I'm being honest. And I don't mean yeah. that in an unethical way. Like I wouldn't have been doing bad things to people by any means, but I would have just went into like real estate or something like a lawyer and not, there's nothing wrong with those jobs. No, I would have done them mean, solely because i would been like, okay, cool. I can go make some money there. Right. Well, the health issues were something that started as early as five years old for me. And there was a a good array of stuff. It started out actually with mental things, because I know that you and I had started this conversation here based on the acne picture, but it started with mental health stuff. I was dealing with panic attacks at five years old, and there was really no rhyme or reason for this because my parents are great people. They didn't know much about mental health though. So they they knew something was wrong, but they didn't understand what it was. And we went to a doctor and the doctor actually said, not through any, I don't think any real fault of his own. I think he was unfortunately subject to the same stigma that all of us were subject to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now, but also 20 something years ago. He actually told my parents and myself it wasn't something to worry about and that I was going to outgrow this. Now, I did not get a diagnosis of panic attacks at the time. I'm not saying that this doctor dismissed that. The whole reason that we realized these things were called panic attacks is because I finally went into a doctor again over a decade later. And they said, oh, well, this is called panic attacks. And my parents looked at them like they had two heads saying, this is the exact same thing we came in for at five years old. And he's been dealing yeah. with this on and off the entire time. So besides the point, I'm, I'm going through these health challenges uh, pretty much my entire uh, childhood and teenage years how it progressed is what started out as panic attacks then became panic attacks major depressive disorder substance use disorder generalized anxiety disorder um and eventually acne and of all these things as bad as the mental health was especially as a young adult acne is the thing that i found to be most motivating because the picture that you saw especially yeah um it's it's not a it's not a mild case right like it's it's one of the top ones most people have probably ever seen in person and so That was something that really got me focused on like, all right, I need to change something, but I didn't think about natural yet. I thought about pharmaceutical because that's all I knew. What finally put me over the edge with this stuff, and I'm obviously summarizing this today to keep it concise, but I was around 18 years old and the mental health issues had already went through their worst ever. Like I got kicked out of school. I'm always very transparent about this stuff. I got kicked out of yeah. school. I went to juvie for like four or five days. I went, spent my 18th birthday on house arrest. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but it also was not representative of all of how I was raised or who I actually was at the core. So thankfully that pretty much in and of itself was enough of a wake up call to be like, okay, you are someone that was not so great at sports growing up, but you could have done the academic thing. Probably could have went to pretty much any college you tried. And now you are getting kicked out of a school that has like a 99% graduation rate. Something got messed up along the way. That is probably your responsibility, even if it's not entirely your fault. So I'm actually doing better with the mental health stuff. And I figured, all right, what can I do to just make myself feel better? So I went to uh, the doctors and I was using actually some type of like, I don't know, I think it was called tretinoin. It's like a, uh, vitamin yeah. A derivative. yeah, so tretinoin, I'm using that on my face. It's helping the acne a little bit. I'm gaining some confidence. All this stuff is actually happening positively. And then I started experiencing these extreme bouts of vertigo. And it was, it was really random, didn't seem to have anything connected to it. And I mean, I wouldn't drive a car at that time, that's for sure. It was it was pretty intense. Um, I hate that this is the only description that I have, but the only way I can describe it to someone is if you ever drank way too much alcohol and the room is spinning as opposed to you being lightheaded, because you being lightheaded is more like dizziness. Vertigo is, okay, I'm still, but the world around me is spinning. It's like that. And so it was, it's nauseating. It doesn't feel good. And I went into the doctor's office and he told me at 18 and a half years old that I had this incurable quote unquote disease called Meniere's disease. Now Meniere's disease, I believe is probably going to be labeled as an autoimmune condition eventually. And we're getting closer and closer to that. But at the time, technically it was not an autoimmune condition. Although again, it meets the properties of one, in my opinion. And my family has a history of autoimmunity. So I'm told by this doctor who was still a really nice guy, that, mm-hmm. Hey, this is not going to get better. This is the medication you need to take. You're going to be on this for the rest of your life. Most likely you will need a surgery at some point. All right, come back in like two, three months and we'll see how you're doing.
0: I'm like, what yeah. what kind of surgery?
1: Um, they do. So Meniere's disease is a disorder of the inner ear where again, it looks like it's attacking itself. That's why I believe it's autoimmune. And so what it does is there's these, um, there's these parts of the brain in the inner ear that actually are very uh, much correlated with balance. And so that's why you get this dizziness feeling.
0: Okay, your and equilibrium's so what, Right, John.
1: right. What they attempt to do is go in there Um, and I get, I mean, this is above my pay grade, but I guess they attempt to fix that in some way, because one of the things that happens with Meniere's disease is you can have, um, hearing loss or in one or both ears. And I actually already had measured hearing loss in one of the ears. That's what gave me the diagnosis because it wasn't Mm. common for someone at 18, but when he saw the hearing loss in one ear specifically, he's like, Oh, okay. So, I mean, the first thing I go online and see Don, when, And I apologize. I'm I'm getting somewhere here because I know it's a long-winded answer. Oh,
0: no, you're fine. This is fascinating. Go ahead.
1: Okay, cool. Thank you. And so the first thing I did, of course, when I went home is I've never heard of this thing. I don't know anyone with this. I go online and I searched something along the lines of like what to do for Meniere's disease. And one of the first few things that came up were these like suicide support forums for people with Meniere's because it had basically affected their life so bad that. (laughs) they were in these forums to, to more or less just to be blunt, not kill themselves. And when I saw that, I, I don't know what it was, but it was a final straw in this combination of everything, the acne, the kicked out of school, the mental health issues, all these things that I've been through and again, some of them were getting better, but now I get this. I was like, it was the most practical suicidal ideation I'd ever had because I did struggle with depression. So I had depression linked suicidal ideations. But when I say practical, what I mean is I I don't know that I was clinically depressed in that moment. That's for sure. I I mean, I didn't meet that diagnosis at that point, but it was a, it was a giving up feeling. I was just like, I have been sick my entire life. I finally feel over the last six months as this is getting better. And now I get hit with this I just I'm like, what is to come when I am 40, 50, 60, if I even make it that far? So it's not that I was actually considering going home and, and taking my own life. Thankfully, I don't want to be too dramatic here. But the idea did come into my head where it's like, I, what is the point of all this? If I'm just getting sicker and sicker and dealing with these types of things. And I might have a different perspective on that now. But that was my perspective at the time.
0: Well, the, you were so young. The,
1: sure, sure. Um, and the cool part about it, as as dark as that thought is, was that it led me to saying, well, if I'm going to do something like that, shouldn't i probably try everything before i do that (laughs) like shouldn't i go through the surgery shouldn't i take the medication whatever it might be so the medication for me lasted for about three days before i felt like weird with it i had like a dizziness now as opposed to a vertigo because it affects your blood pressure and i already had low blood pressure um and i think it gave me headaches as well which i'm sure was correlated with the blood pressure so i threw that out i don't recommend it not medical advice by any means but i'm like all right this isn't gonna work see you and I immediately started doing everything that I could to see if there was anything lifestyle related that I could find on this. The first thing that I found was that people with Meniere's disease might get triggered by salt. Now that was true back then. Thankfully, that's not true for me anymore. And we'll we'll get to that. But I started only eating about three to 400 milligrams of salt I was eating probably four to five meals a day. And so I had to space this out four to five hours. Now, whether or not some of this was placebo, I have no idea, but it became extremely routine, um, almost obsessively so admittedly, where I am eating this amount of salt in my meal. The meal can be anything, but the amount of salt's always stagnant. And every few hours, and it seems like I can get away with this and keep the um, vertigo at bay. Now, what I cannot do is I can't take things like ibuprofen. I can't drink caffeine. I cannot drink alcohol, like none of that stuff. Um, because this can trigger the Meniere's event. But what happened is, again, m- my symptoms got better based off something that the doctor didn't tell me to do. And now I'm not going against Western medicine. I think Western medicine is actually phenomenal at what it does. I think we have given, th- Western medicine's a tool, and I think we try to apply that tool to the wrong problem. And I think that's mm-hmm. why we end up in these issues with the whole debate versus a functional versus Western. And as I had these dietary uh, changes lead to positive results. It just—it fascinated me. I said, "All right, well, they didn't tell me this. I'm doing this and it's working. Is there a possibility that even though I'm this ignorant 18-year-old at the time, I certainly don't know much as much as this doctor? There's gotta be something else that they don't know." And so I started studying food. I started studying nutrition and. I had positive results now as well with my mental health issues with the new stuff that I was doing. And originally it started out as supplementing with multivitamin, um, something really, really simple. And so I'm doing this stuff. I'm starting to eat organic and less sugar and nothing was curing anything. But I was getting in the right direction. Long story short, as, as short as I can make it, is that. I I continued on the dietary path because I kept just thinking, all right, well, if I can get 10% better, why not 20? Then I would get to 20, Don. And I'd be like, well, why not 30? And I kept pushing this. And with all the stuff that I've learned now, which is a lot more complicated than what we just listed – I'm thankful to say I don't meet the criteria for any of these diagnoses that I had at 18 because there was like seven of them. I had chronic sinusitis. I'm not kidding. Chronic sinusitis, GERD, cystic acne, major depressive, panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, um, and the Meniere's disease. I do not meet the diagnostic criteria for any of these things, nor have I had a Meniere's episode in almost five or six years. Now, Western medicine will tell me this is remission i i think a little differently um and that's not arrogant i'm not trying to say i know more than the doctors but you know when nine other or whatever it was seven eight other conditions also went away you know i don't have to prove it to them that's fine i know in my heart that i'm not in remission of every little thing that i've ever had i cured this this got better by changing my lifestyle
0: wow that is mind-blowing Like my jaw was just dropped for so much of that. (laughs) I appreciate you letting me share it. Thank you. Yeah, no, one thing, it's like the internet, curse the internet, because you started reading about people that were suicidal because of the condition that you were labeled with. And but then bless the internet, because that's how you ended up finding potential cures with the low sodium and all that stuff. So no doctor ever told you to limit your sodium. That was just something that you just read on the internet.
1: There was, to be fully transparent, there was a sheet that he gave me with some basic dietary recommendations. Okay. If I had followed those the way that he did it, no, it would not have worked because the the amounts were way too high. And again, the quality of the food was just insane. Like it didn't even make sense. Um, so it's not like they didn't acknowledge it at all. And at this point, this was nine years ago that I got that diagnosis. So um, maybe if you walked in today, uh, they would hopefully do something more. But that at the time is what was given to me.
0: Wow. So um, the whole reason why I wanted to have you on the show was to talk about acne. But then when I was delving into more about you and stuff, it was just that there's so many topics that we could cover. So acne will definitely be uh, mentioned, but it's definitely not the sole purpose of talking to you. Um, So did your skin just start to clear up after you changed your diet up? It just slowly started to go away?
1: Yes, it was the hardest symptom to resolve out of any of them and so i don't again i don't meet the diagnosis of cystic acne because i don't get cysts but even to this day nine years later and i honestly believe that most of this is just because i've become a little too obsessed with the work so it's a pro and con thing to me i don't really mind it but when i'm in summer that's my slowest time and you know i can pretty much eat like half of the stuff that i want and I, I don't really get skin breakouts. Um, I always notice it kind of in the winter, but these are, I mean, these are minor. Like if I looked in the mirror right now, you're talking about something so small that no one else would even notice. Yeah. Um, that's not me. But outside of that, you yeah, know, like all this other stuff is good to go. Um, and I saw it all change accordingly with the, with the dietary stuff, but the acne one was the toughest by far. This is not a clinical term. This is just something that I've come up with as anyone could come up with from being in any space for a while. I look at acne as a, what I would call a primary symptom. So, in today's world where we are bombarded by toxic foods, staying up late, artificial blue light, all this stuff, there are real diagnoses that come out where it's like, okay, this is cancer, this is autoimmune, this is life changing stuff. And then there's the primary things. And the primary things are things that people, unintentionally considered normal. That's a mislabeling. None of this is normal, but they'll think it's normal because it's so common. These are your things like migraine headaches or headaches in general, um, sinus issues, eczema, acne, stuff that you can walk down the street. And if a hundred people were honest about it, you you would find that probably two or uh, one out of two people has one of those things that I just listed, let alone a whole other slew of symptoms, right? Uh, Excessive weight gain, fatigue, whatever. Those are primary symptoms in my opinion. And there are warning signs for what's to come. So it actually makes sense. And this is how I kind of came up with those terms that acne is a primary thing that it would actually be the hardest to get to go away. Um, But I've had times with perfectly clear skin. I'm thankful for that. And I've noticed the um, the correlation between the amount of work I choose to do and the skin stuff happening. And again, some of the supplements help support that. Like I will supplement things that I know can support the acne while not harming me. And it helps me get away with what I want to do. So, yes, I noticed a direct correlation. Mm. And the most significant jump was actually in the first month. That picture that I, I shared with you, Don, um, well, shared with you indirectly, right, in the Facebook group. Yeah. That- Skin got about 70% better in the first month of changing my diet, but (laughs) that last 30%, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, that took another several years to really get it to where I wanted to go. So that's the beauty of functional medicine. I I believe this is consistent with a lot of conditions. You can feel about 50 to 70% better in uh, the first month or two. I've seen that almost across the board with almost everything except cancer, but everything else you can do that. And then to get those last parts, that's where it becomes a little bit trickier.
0: Well, it is like so apparent that what was going on inside you was affecting your skin, your outside, and that for that to be the thing, the catalyst for you to change. I mean, that's great because yes. that, that's what. So what do you think? Do you think it was dairy? Do you think it was sugar? What do you think was the main culprit for your skin?
1: Well, there's a it, it's um, it's a whole mix of of things because. We could try, like I know a lot of people, especially in the natural space, and perhaps you or some of your listeners might have even seen this. They'll, they'll call themselves root cause practitioners. And I am thankful for anyone that's out here doing this work, so I'm not casting judgment or condemnation towards them. But I, I think to suggest the idea that you can actually find the root cause of this stuff 100% of the time. Um, I mean, unless they have some advanced technology I don't know about, I don't think that's really the case. We mm-hmm. find things that are useful enough that we might as well have found the root cause because you can get the person better. I, I do agree with that. But the idea that we're going to be able to find a specific thing 100% of the time, I don't believe. I will say this. Some of the big wins for me, even if I cannot prove whether or not they were the original root causes, uh, one of the biggest ones was a non-celiac, non-allergy, immune reaction to uh, gluten. And so my mom actually had the same thing. We ended up testing both of us for this. So this is not an allergy and it's not celiac, but it is an immune response and it can be tested for. And so when we did that, we both had super high reactions to these things. Now, as any good American, right, I was eating cereal for breakfast, sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner, and, you know, cookies in between those meals, all wheat filled Constant bombardment on my immune system, telling it that it needs to work harder and harder and harder. And what most people don't know is those with gluten sensitivities or even certain other food sensitivities, but it's particularly bad with uh, wheat, gluten stuff, is that when the body, quote unquote, fails at destroying the thing it's trying to destroy because remember it's an immune response it believes gluten is an invader just like a measles would be an invader in one's body and Mm -hmm. it needs to attack this thing so we're sending out the immune response for it when that doesn't work and the reason it's not working is because you're eating it all the time, it says, okay, we need to break out the big guns. So you can picture maybe the frontline army going out at first, and now the generals are coming in. And what they're going to do is say, hey, you know what? We're screwing up. Something's bad here. We are going to do something that might cause some damage, but it's worth it because we're attacking this invader. We're going to start attacking anything that's even similar to this. And this is uh, very far out for people that aren't in the scientific world, but please, I mean, an easy Google search could actually probably explain this to most people. There's something called a molecular mimicry and molecular mimicry in the world of functional medicine are things that have similar molecular structures. And so the body gets confused, believe it or not, our thyroid tissue, our brain tissue, even our heart tissue has similar enough molecular structures to gluten that when the body fails at getting gluten out because you're eating it all the time, it says, well, you know what? Why don't we go attack this thing, too? This thing kind of looks like this. Mm. And now you have Hashimoto's. Oh, this thing kind of looks like it. And now you have early onset Alzheimer's. Oh, this thing kind of looks like it. Now you have a heart attack at 50 years old. So I if I had to guess one thing, um, I think that was probably the biggest one. But the sleep also, I could never give this answer without also mentioning that. If someone is going to stay up on artificial lights until two three, four in the morning you you are putting yourself in an early grave and that is not even my opinion that that's clear as day science because all you have to do is look up go on Google or PubMed shift work and then put in any disease you would like after it and you will see that people that work night shift, have higher instances of all of this stuff and do not have good life um, satisfaction because of their health status. So if you are staying up till 4 a.m. as opposed to 7 a.m., which a night shift worker might be doing, do you really think you're that much better off? Right. But of course, we look at that as normal. Oh, every kid stays up late. Well, I don't know if I would recommend that.
0: Yeah, because back in the day, if you were staying up late, you didn't have a device when you were my age. (laughs) 20. You didn't have a device of the, the blue light and all of that stuff, so. But yeah, mask. How old are you? Uh, I'm 52.
1: Okay, perfect. So one thing I actually because I always say this, and I, I guess I say this in a type of uh, in a way that's almost unfounded. So I should ask someone. I always explain to kids that I, I had just imagined that 20, 25 years ago, even. Why? I didn't understand why people would be even staying up till 3 a.m. on a Tuesday night because there wasn't as much to do. Now, I'm not saying that you as a young person would have never stayed up late ever, especially on weekends. But I mean, was it a common thing for everyone to be up till 2 or 3 a.m. on a weekday when you were a teenager?
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Never. When I was okay. a teenager, um, like in 16 and on, I was working. I closed. Uh, I worked fast food. So I would be there till like 11. I would drink okay. Mountain Dew for my whole shift. So I was definitely <laughs> wired. Um, Go home, watch David Letterman or whatever, and then go to bed. So I would be up probably till midnight or one o'clock. But that was mostly weekends, not during the week. Um, and we had video games, but they were very minor like all well, um, right they're not and...
1: fun or, or super addicting in the same way so okay i appreciate this because that that's my theory with this i'm like i just don't think because there's studies showing for example that kids uh, under the age of 18 that stay up past 12 a.m just a few nights per week are 42 percent more likely to be diagnosed with depression than those that go to bed before 12 and i'm just thinking about this i'm like okay why because we are animals we have a cycle right we are diurnal that is the opposite of nocturnal we go to bed during the night and we wake up during the day so why do people stay up late? And there is no one that is staying up late, just sitting in the dark, unless they're, they have insomnia and I'm I'm sympathetic <laughs> to that condition, of course. But if you ask any of these kids, okay, well, what are you doing at 1am? I'm on the phone or I'm on the computer or I'm watching TV. That That's the only answers you're going to get. So what we've really done, not only is the artificial light, I mean, genuinely hurtful because I, I think, um. I think even people that might not be in the functional space have heard about this at this point, so I don't want to sound tinfoil hatty, but everyone's always worried about like EMFs, right? Like electromagnetic frequencies. Okay, if you want to be worried about any non-native EMF, then worry about artificial blue light, because that actually has studies showing that this is damaging to us. Now, we don't think about that as an EMF. We're like, oh, no, no, that's microwaves and cell phones, isn't it? Sure. But the electromagnetic spectrum is any... Part of the electromagnetic spectrum, uh, spectrum, including light. So when you take artificial blue light and put it on a phone, and we know that's highly stimulating, it suppresses melatonin. You have a bu- and kids are more sensitive to this than adults. By the way, that's even the worst part. Then kids literally cannot sleep because they are exposed to artificial blue light until the time they go to bed. It takes approximately three hours for your melatonin to normalize after being exposed to blue light. So even if your kid is super well behaved and says, all right, well, I'm going to go to bed at 10, but they were studying until nine 30 at night. Well, let's do the math. When can they then produce the melatonin? It's not going to be fully until 1230 if they're lucky. All right. And then on top of that, they probably set an alarm for school. So this, I think, this is why we're having um so many of these issues, and I I don't mean to put it outside of myself because I know that was the original question, but I believe that this sleep thing that we're doing or lack thereof, mixed with me personally having this gluten sensitivity, um, I don't want to oversimplify it, but yeah, I think if those two things had looked different, I think we probably wouldn't be doing this interview today. I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I. I think it's kind of depressing in a way, but if there's enough of us that are starting to see what's happening, hopefully things will start turning around. Um, And I love the format of having podcasts because I really do think it's getting information out there to the masses that may usually not be looking for this type of information. They're just kind of stumbling upon it, which I think is great. Um, Do you guys have like a garden? I mean, it's, it's worrisome to me that there, the soil is not good the nutrients aren't there in the soil. And so even if you're trying to eat all your veggies and get your, your quota met for the day, you might not be getting the nutrients that you're supposed to get.
1: Right. So, um, I current, it's interesting that you asked that because I currently live um, in an apartment with my girlfriend, but what we did, and this is for various reasons, and maybe this is a bit paranoid. I don't care, but (laughs) over the last two, three years, And this is not political either way. That is not what this is. I'm talking solely about COVID and how the world responded. I could not believe how fast things could get bad. And again, I'm a little younger. Maybe if we were talking to an 80-year-old, they would say, dude, like, listen, we we all go through seasons of life and bad things happen on the news. And then the next year, it's great. I understand that. But to me, I like business anyway. And I love uh, doing short-term rentals, Airbnb. I've hosted a few. So to answer your question about the garden, Um, I'll do you one better. What we're actually doing right now is we got a bunch of friends together that are the perfect mix of paranoid and entrepreneurial (laughs) because you need both for what we're doing. And uh, we're buying property about an hour away. This will be done before uh, June of this year, thankfully. And that my girlfriend and I are trying uh, as fast as we can to turn into a self-sustaining property that we can both work out of and then, and we can rent from, right? If the world stays fine, then it's in an Really desirable location for like Airbnbs and stuff year round because there's skiing and camping. So people would love it for that. And then if the world does go crazy at one point, awesome. Well, then I was able to build up a property for my family and the people that I love and care about that they can go to. And, and hopefully we have a better chance if that happens. Um, so I'm actually doing it for a different reason. But yes, I, I will have my own garden set up for right now. I go to a local health food store, so I can't recommend this enough to people. I'm not going to mention any brands because we don't need our our small podcasts here to get sued, right? Dawn and I are out here doing what we can (laughs) on our podcast, but there are certain chains that label things as organic and there are a lot of ways that organic can get labeled. And if people actually knew what could go into that, they wouldn't be so thrilled. So what you're better off doing is one of two things, either one finding a genuine family owned, uh, health food store that you can actually talk to the people at and see if they know what they're doing or two, you'll have to do your own research for this one as well. Uh, but you can go do a community supported agriculture and find an organic one. And so those are called CSAs. And I think, uh, it might be csa.org even there, there's websites to find them Don't, I, that okay. might be the wrong link but so you can find a community supported agriculture and find one that you like go there talk to the people they will love to talk to you right these are these are local farmers this is their life so you talk to them about how they uh, grow their stuff and what they're doing differently. And if you find that it's suitable and that you like it, you actually pay in the beginning of the year, way cheaper than you would if you bought the produce over the course of the year. And then you will get stuff, um, brought to you or you pick up weekly throughout the, the farming season. And you do it at a fraction of the price Hmm. that you can get it anywhere else. So that's how I would get the highest quality food right now for those that might be like living in a city and just the idea of a garden is a foreign concept to them.
0: Wow. That's so good to know. That is such valuable information. Um, and I will definitely look up some links so that I can put that in the show notes. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I wanted to ask you off topic. Did you happen to see on, um, National Geographic, the special with Chris Hemsworth called Limitless? I I have not, no. Oh my gosh. Totally look for it and watch it. I watched two episodes last night and Chris Hemsworth, he was the the actor that was Thor, you know, he's like built. Okay. he's like six foot five and he's in really good health. And he has a, a married with three kids and he's trying to do what he can to um, not reverse the aging process, but slow it down for sure. And he wants to help his body to fight illness and just perform better. And so he's doing all of these. I don't want to say tests, but experiments kind of. And the first episode that we watched was all about stress. And so he was trying to get his body and his mind prepared to walk across this super high up crane. I'm in Australia. I mean, it was very, very high up. I can't remember how high it was the top of a building. And so he worked with a, a therapist on breathing and all that stuff. So that was one episode. And then the, the other episode that we watched was about shock, putting your body in shock, doing the ice cold yes. he did <laughs> swimming in the Netherlands. Just watch it. It is absolutely fascinating. He is raw. He talks about, you know, being scared and how he incorporated the breath work when he needed to. And I can't wait to watch some. The rest of them, it is absolutely fascinating. There's science behind it, but it's also just very easy to watch because he's just a regular Joe, you know. I mean, even though he's famous, he's human, and so what he's doing out there and putting himself out there, I just think is fascinating.
1: That sounds totally up my alley. So thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. National Geographic. Okay. Um, one last thing. I mean, because I could really talk to you all day. This has just been so mind blowing. But I wanted to ask you, what is your mission? What do you what do you want your legacy to be?
1: I more than anything uh, want to level the playing field, and so what I mean by that is. I believe in freedom of choice. I don't really care if someone has a chronic disease and wants to take medication for the rest of their life. What I do care about is people not getting all of the options. And this is not to get we were wacky and act like someone's hiding this. I don't I don't think it's that simple. In fact, I wish it was this problem would be a lot easier to solve. We I think it comes down to the same thing of we are using the wrong tool for the wrong stuff. Western medicine was originally created for these issues that humanity always had. I mean, in the 1800s in the United States, most people don't know this, the child mortality rate by four years old was one in two like 50% of kids died by the age of four when we were in the early 1800s. So Western medicine has been great for that. Western medicine has also been phenomenal for all the accidents that we get into as human beings, right? If you break your arm or break your foot or whatever, that was, I mean, that was a lifelong thing if you did survive uh, the issue because maybe it broke in a way that you got an infection, like maybe it exposed something, whatever, right? If you were lucky enough to live through that, it was the rest of your life. So we did really good with things like that. And then also antibiotics, which... You know, they're bittersweet is they cause their own issues that functional medicine needs to fix, but they can also save your life in the immediate moment. So that's kind of cool. Western medicine is great at that. They are terrible at dealing with the chronic issues that many people are experiencing, um, the non-life-threatening ones that many people are experiencing, and sometimes even the life-threatening ones. So when I say level the playing field, it is to share this information so that people who have freedom of choice can make an informed decision. Again, at 18, I wish that doctor did exactly what he did for me. Tell me all the stuff with medication. Tell me the stuff with surgery, whatever. But then I wish that there had been education there that he received, because it's not his fault, that he received to also tell me, well, alternatively, just so you know, people have also done this kind of stuff. You could make these dietary changes and most likely you're not even really supposed to have this condition. So there is a chance it could get better, but you would have to go take these steps. And there's a time and place. If I started breaking out with cystic acne at 95 years old, I'm probably just going to take something because my time here might be relatively short, right? But if someone is 20 years old dealing with a chronic disease, you know, What I always tell people is that your symptoms are a warning sign, like I said, especially those primary symptoms, right? So you can cover those up at 20 years old with Western medicine a lot of the times, not always, but a lot of the time. But you're going to be here for a few decades, my friend. So if you give that enough time, the chances are that the cause or set of causes that are leading to that symptom that you successfully covered up, it is going to come back as something else, except next time it's not going to be so easy to hide. My mom had the same mental health stuff and cystic acne that I had. She took Accutane instead of doing what I did because no one ever told her about this. And then my mom got her thyroid removed because she had Graves' disease, an autoimmune condition of the thyroid, at uh, 40-something years old. That was the later warning sign. Took 20 more years to get there, but it happened because of all those other things. So thank God she's still with us today, and we were able to do what we could for her health. Um, But that's my mission, Dawn. And I know it's a long one, but it's just to level the playing field, make sure people are informed. Um, and get them to to get these health issues under control. Because I also, as you know, speak in like the mental health space and um, there my mission's
0: a little different, but it's
1: always conceptually the same. It's just getting people to know that there are options for their health issues.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Gosh. So you have your own podcast. You're also an author. You wrote your own book. Yes. Overcoming Mental Health Challenges, How I mm-hmm. Resolve 13 Years of Mental Health Issues Naturally. I that is that's... correct. Yeah,
1: so that's, um, I wrote that more, Sometimes I think for myself than anything else, I, I would never, I, I will always be transparent about what I am and what I'm not. I, I don't even think that book sold four or 500 copies, right? But um, that's, I don't know if that's what it's supposed to do. It was a really personal thing for me. I cannot believe I sat there and wrote 70,000 words and they actually somehow fit together in a normal way. And and it sounds good. Um, so so yeah, I do that. Um, I have the health detective podcast, which I host for a company called functional diagnostic nutrition. So you can find us at fdntrainingcom um, slash course. Cause if you're interested in the health stuff, that would, um, give you some insight onto what we're doing or just check out the podcast because I got a certification through those guys where I learned functional lab testing. And now I speak for them and, um, and do the podcast because I I love and believe in what they're doing. Um, I do have, are we allowed to shout out everything at the end? Is
0: everything? Yeah. Go for it.
1: Okay. Thank you. I have an in-person business that we also do work with people online. We take consults. So that's called Bucks County Light Therapy and Functional Medicine Center. That's in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. But uh, we work with people online as well, and we apply the functional medicine principles. So uh, we can work with anyone pretty much in any country, and we utilize the lab testing to help them with specific conditions. Um, A lot of people come to us for acne and mood stuff, but really our system works for just about anything, at least can support anything and we can get you in the right direction. If it's not us that you end up wanting to work with or that, if we don't believe that we can help you at the full level, then we'll just refer you somewhere else. And then, yeah, the, uh, that can be found at buckscountylighttherapy.com. And then the final thing that I do is, and this is my favorite one, admittedly out of all of this, and I love all of it, no disrespect to anything, but my favorite one is I speak in schools um, to kids about mental health issues. And uh, I've been lucky enough to speak to over about 50,000 kids around the country. At this point, I've given over 500 presentations, which is like insane to me to think about sometimes. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're just getting started. So Oh, well, this won't even matter because this will be out probably not on the same day that it's recorded, of course. So I had my website down just for a couple days because we're completely transferring the, um, you can normally make edits obviously and have your website down, but I wanted to change the platform completely and just go from scratch, but that can just be found at evantransu.com. And if you're listening to this, then it's already, it's up back again and good to go. So you can find me there for the speaking.
0: Ah, Evan. You are amazing. I am so happy we connected. Honestly, this has just been phenomenal. I am so happy that your passion is um, going and talking to those kids. I mean, gosh, what a huge, huge thing that is that they all need it. You know, the mental health area is so scary right now with suicide rates and everything. So that's phenomenal. And um, thank you for all you're doing.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. You are an awesome host. I really appreciate you because I'm only on the other side, right? So I really appreciate you just allowing the space to, okay. When the guest needs to run off on an answer, you just allowed me to do that and you just have awesome energy. So thank you.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Evan. And, um, send me everything that you want me to make sure. So I don't get anything wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I got it. I'll send it it over now.
0: Okay. And I'll put it all in the notes, but, um, thank you again so much and I'll be in touch. Have a great day.
1: Sounds good. See ya.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.